Um, our scripture reading today is chapter 29 of Exodus, that's page 81 in the Black Pew Bibles. Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread and unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them a fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket and bring the bull and the two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron the coat of and the robe of the ephod, and the ephod and the breastpiece, and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head, and put the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil, and pour it on his head, and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons, and put coats on them. And you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes, and bind caps on them. And the priesthood shall be theirs by a statute forever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. Then you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron his son shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And shall take part of, part of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger. And the rest of the blood you shall pour out at the base of the altar. You shall take all the fat that covers the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull and its skins and its dung you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Then you shall take one of the rams and Aaron... And his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall kill the ram, and shall take its blood and throw it against the side of the altar. Then you shall cut the ram into pieces, and wash its entrails and its legs, and put them with its pieces and its head, and burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. You shall take the other ram, and Aaron his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall kill the ram, and take part of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron, and on the tips of the right ears of the sons, and on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the great toes of their right feet, and throw the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. Then you shall take part of the blood that is on the altar, and the anointing oil, and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments, and on his sons, and on, the, on his sons' garments with him. He and his garments shall be holy, and his sons' his sons' garments with him. You shall also take the fat from the ram, and the fat tail, and the fat that covers the... And the fat that covers the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them and the right thigh, for it's the, it is a ram ordination. And one loaf of bread and one cake of bread, which, which one cake of bread made with oil and one wafer out of the basket of unleavened bread that is before the Lord. You shall put all these on the, on the palms of Aaron and on the palms of his sons and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. Then you shall take them from their hands and burn them on the altar at the top of the burnt offering as a pleasing aroma before the Lord. It is a food offering to the Lord. You shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's ordination and wave it for a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. And you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering that is waved and the thigh of the priest's portion that is contributed from the ram of ordination <clears throat> from what was Aaron's and his sons. It shall be for Aaron and his sons as a perpetual due for the people of Israel, for it is a contribution. It shall be a contribution from the people of Israel from the peace offerings, their contribution to the Lord. The holy garments of Aaron shall be for his sons after him. They shall be anointed in them and ordained in them. The son who succeeds him as a priest who comes into the tent of meeting to minister in the holy place shall wear them seven days. You shall take the ram of ordination and boil its flesh in a holy place. And Aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram and, 
the bread that is in the basket in the entrance of the tent of meeting. They shall eat those things with which the atonement was made at their ordination and consecration, but an outsider shall not eat of them, because they are holy. And if any of the flesh of the ordination or of the bread remain until the morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten, because it is holy. Thus you shall do to Aaron and to his sons according to all that I have commanded you. Through seven days shall you ordain them, and every day you shall offer a bull as a sin offering for atonement. Also you shall purify the altar when you make atonement for it, and shall anoint it to consecrate it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and consecrate it, and the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar shall become holy. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar, two lambs, a year old, day by day, regularly. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. When the first lamb, a tenth measure of fine flour, mingled with a fourth of a hen of beaten oil, and a fourth of hen of wine for a dark offering, or for a drink offering. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight, and shall offer it, offer with it a grain offering, and it, and it's a drink offering, as in the morning for the pleasing aroma of food offering to the Lord. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak to you there. There I will meet with the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Exodus 29. We're in walking through the book of Exodus. If you've been with us for a while, if you're visiting with us, uh, that's where we've been for the last months. And uh, let me just kind of catch us up to where we are. God has rescued his people from Egypt, brought them through the Red Sea. They're on their way to the promised land, right? And um, as they're on their way, they stop at the mountain, the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, also called Horeb. And there, they're about 11 months, they'll stay. They've been there for some time receiving the law, the Ten Commandments, and also instruction on how to build the tabernacle and, and how to furnish it. And um, we also, in chapter 28, we learned what the priest were to wear. And the main point of these last 15 chapters of this book is that God wants to dwell with his people. So God wants to dwell with his people. That's the, the main point of these last 15 chapters of the book. And um, another teaching point um, these last few chapters teach us is that God is transcendent and imminent. He is transcendent and also imminent. See, God in his ways, his holiness, his righteousness is so unlike the people of Israel. So much so that there's a veil. There's an entrance into the courtyard where all the Israelites could gather to worship but then there's an entrance into the holy place, one of the two rooms of the tabernacle. And there's a veil there. Only priests and Levites could enter it through that veil. And then on the other side, there's another veil that enters into the holy of holies or the most holy place. And there's only one high priest that will enter that place one day a year. So there's these veils and they teach us that God is transcendent. He is high above us. His ways are not like us. He is not like us. Or it would be better to say we are not like him. The Israelites were not like him. The priests, the Levites were not like him. So he is high above them. But yet at the same time, this tabernacle, this whole setup teaches us that God is, even though he's so high above us, 
yet he is imminent. He is near. Remember the, the Ark of the Covenant that, that was placed in the Holy of Holies in the most holy place. The top of it was covered by a lid and, and there was two cherubim on the top of the lid. And in between those cherubim, that's where God would meet with his people. So only, not only is God transcendent, but he's also imminent. He wants to meet with his people. And here in chapter 29 is... Chase read for us this elaborate ceremony that takes place to ordain, to consecrate, to set apart the high priest for their works of service. And, and these first few verses, um, this is what we'll see here. Just kind of give you an overview. What happens is they're, they're washed clean. They're given a bath. These priests are clothed in the elaborate clothing that we saw in chapter 28. They're anointed with oil. There's a, a, a sacrifice that's made. There's three different sacrifices. We'll look at those in just a moment. There's a meal that was eaten. And all of this takes place for a solid week. For seven days, they do the same thing. It's an elaborate ordination service. So four points from the sermon today, just uh, taken right from the text. The first one being washed, clothed, and anointed. Here's the, the high priest and the, the priest, Aaron's sons. They're being uh, prepared to do God's work in the tabernacle. Verse 1 through 3 um, we see the preparation of the, the consecration of the priest. And, and I was thinking about this, these first few verses, and it's kind of like cooking uh, when, when you cook, um, especially if you're cooking Chinese food. We lived over in the sea, so we, we eat a lot of Chinese food at our house. And so when you're getting ready to cook, what you do is you first get everything ready. You, uh, you take your pork or whatever, if you say if you're, you're using pork, and you'll cut it up in fine little pieces. And then you trim all the fat off and you cut that up in pieces because you're, you're putting the fat in first because that's what gives it, that's what makes it taste good, right? And so um, you get garlic and you'll, you'll peel the garlic and you'll mince that up. Then you'll take some ginger and you'll, you'll shave off the, the outer peeling of the ginger and then you'll cut that up. Reagan, you taking notes? All right. Um, and then you take the vegetables, whatever vegetables you're going to be using, you cut those up and then you get your spices um, soy sauce, sesame oil, whatever you're going to put in there. And you get it all ready there around the wok because you don't want to be cooking one thing and then have to go find ingredients because uh, it's going to burn while you're doing that. And that's what's taking place here. In chapter 29, God is telling Moses, get ready for the consecration of the priest, prepare to do this. And what we'll do is we'll see in, in Leviticus chapter 8, this actually, after the tabernacle is built, this actually takes place. And we're given a lot more details in Leviticus chapter 8. But here we are. Um, the priests are, are prepared for consecration. First thing um, we see is they're washed, aren't they? They're washed. They're, they're, they come to the entrance of the tent of meeting and they're washed. And, and it's really important that we understand that took place right there at the entrance. It's like a public spectacle. This thing happens in front of everybody. So everybody's able to watch this thing take place. Watch this ceremony. It's a public ceremony. And they're washed. They're given a bath. You don't want no funky priest in the Holy of Holies, right? In the holy place. Um, so they're given a, a bath there in, in, in verse 4. And then Moses is, is to clothe Aaron with this incredible get-up, this attire, these, these garments that we saw uh, two weeks ago from chapter 28. So they're given a bath. They're, uh, verse 
5 through 9, they're, they're putting on the clothes. And in verse 7, it talks about uh, the anointing of the priest. And there's oil is poured out on their heads. And what's the picture? What's the oil? Uh, what's that all about? Well, it, it symbolizes the blessings of God being poured out upon Aaron and his sons. It symbolizes God's blessing. Also, power, position. Think about in the, the Old Covenant, kings were anointed. Um, Old Testament prophets, they preach about the coming Savior as the Messiah, which means the anointed one. And the, word, the Greek word for um, uh, anointed one is Christos or Christ, of course, right? Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the anointed one. In fact, Jesus, he quotes in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he quotes Isaiah 61 that says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And Jesus rose up the scroll and says, This, this scripture, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your presence. Yeah, he was the anointed one. He was the Messiah. And so what Moses is supposed to do is, is to anoint Moses as, anoint Aaron as the high priest. So there's a lot of physical cleansing going on here, all right? They look good, they smell good, right? But what's the problem? Even though they look good, they smell good, they're clean, they smell good now, but still, what's the problem? They're still sinners, aren't they? They're rebellious sinners at heart. So the second thing we see in verses 10 through 28 is sacrifice are made for them. And we've been told in the first few verses that they're to get a bull, two rams without blemish. What's it mean to be without, if you're a bull or a ram without blemish? I mean, they're healthy, right? They're healthy. They're expensive animals. And, and also there's three types of unleavened bread that are brought um, to the, the, the tent of meeting. Verses 10 through 28, there's three sacrifices that were made. Number one, uh, a bull is, is a sin offering, verses 10 through 14. There's a sin offering. It was um, brought, and then what they would do, this is... Uh, really important, they would take their hands and they would put their hands on the head of the bull. And then the bull would be slaughtered, meaning his throat would be cut and he would drown there in his own blood as his blood's pouring out, right? And you have your hands on the head of the animal as this is taking place. Pretty good visual, right? And what's, what's, the, what's the, the picture? What's the reason? Why do they put their hands on the head of the bull? It's a picture of transference, isn't it? My guilt is being transferred to the bull. The bull is dying in my place. What's happening to the bull, right? That should happen to me. So my guilt's being transferred to the bull. The sacrificial animal was punished in the priest's place. The one chosen to represent the nation of Israel has to be represented, right? by another because of their sin. In verse 12, the blood is placed on the horns of the altar. Remember the, the altar and had horns on it. It replaced, the, the, the blood is placed on the horns of the altar and the rest of the blood is poured out at the base of the altar. And then you have these, you see this several times in, in this text. The fat, the long lobe of the liver, the two kidneys with the fat, they're put on the altar and the rest is taken out. It's, the hide of the bull and everything else is taken out and burned outside the camp. But these things are put on the altar and burned. 
as a sacrifice to the Lord. This is a sin offering. And remember, they're outside the tabernacle. They've yet to go in because they are sinners. They need some help. Some things have to take place for them to be able to be presentable to the Lord. Look at verse 15 through 18. The next sacrifice is a ram. This is a burnt offering. Again, what does Aaron do? Place his hands on the head of the ram while its throat is cut and it dies there. And the blood is taken, it's thrown against the sides of the altar. It says the entire animal is washed, it's cut up, it's placed on the altar and burned. So here it's a burnt offering, so the entire animal is burned. The bull, part of it is taken out inside the camp and burned. Here it's washed clean, it's placed on the altar and it's burned. It's a, a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Just as the sacrifice was totally given, so should the priest be totally surrendered to the Lord. Verse 19 through 21. There's a third sacrifice. The remaining ram is offered again after the hands are placed on the head of the ram. Verse 20, it's kind of interesting. The blood is not thrown on the altar just yet. Mackenzie, it's taken and it's put on the right lobe of the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe. Kind of interesting, isn't it? The rest of the blood is thrown against the side of the altar. It's kind of interesting, this right ear, right thumb, right toe. But we're told in Leviticus 17, 11, and this is one of many passages, passages that express this, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So what's going on here? God wanted the life of the sacrificial victim to be evident in the body of the priest. So there's, right, put on the, the lobes, of the, the thumb of the right hand and the big toe on the right foot. And then verse 21, the, the blood is mixed with oil and it's sprinkled on the priest and on their garment. So what you see here is there's blood everywhere. And if you remember, we've talked about this before, that priests, are, they're, they're butchers. That's what they do. In the courtyard, there's an altar, and that's where the animals would be sacrificed. And so there's blood everywhere by the time this ordination was over. And I, we, were, we were singing, uh, there is a fountain. And I remember as, uh, when I was in seminary, I waited tables, and I, I worked with a lot of people that didn't grow up in church. They didn't know anything about anything. And, and after just some... Um, opportunities to minister and love on these guys. One of the guys in particular, one of my managers, he began to attend church some, asked me a lot of questions. Uh, our relationship um, deepened. But he said, you know what? He said, the music you sing in church, it's just crazy. I mean, think about the, the, the there is a fountain. Um, the words to that song, there's a fountain filled with blood comes from Emmanuel's veins. You're like, that's kind of gross. And for us, it's like commonplace, because yeah, we, we, I grew up singing that song. It doesn't seem out of place or anything, and it's not, but just think about someone walking off the street, doesn't have any biblical background, doesn't know anything about the Old Testament sacrifices. This is kind of an odd thing to sing about a fountain filled with blood coming from the Lord's veins. But my buddy, he just couldn't, it was just hard for him to, the music. He said, man, the music is just weird. You're singing about things that are just kind of 
Interesting. Well, yeah, man. Singing truth about the scriptures, right? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. There's, so there's blood on the altar, around the base of the altar, on the sides of the altar. It has to be consecrated. It has to be cleansed. Everything has to be cleansed with blood, right? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, Under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. There's blood everywhere, right? Even sprinkled on the priest and their costly garments. Right? And this sacrifice, again, the long lobe of the liver, the kidneys with fat, and the right thigh, along with three types of the unleavened bread, they're offered as a wave offering before putting on the altar, right? This is the ordination offering, if you will. And it, it describes the breast that was in the wave offering, the right thigh, that's, that's to be the priest's food. That's, a, that's a, the part of the sacrifice that's set aside for them. So every time that there's a sacrifice being made, that's set aside for the priest to eat. But these sacrifices are for what? If to prepare the priest to enter the tabernacle and to do the Lord's work. And why is that needed? Because they're sinners. They're sinful. How can sinful men serve in the tabernacle? serve a holy God. They have to be cleansed by the blood, right? Third thing we see, verse 31 through 34, is a meal with God. We've seen this already. Chapters 24, when Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments, you remember the elders went up to the mountain and they had a meal, right? A meal with the Lord. It confirmed the covenant. Well, we see this. The priest, they have a meal with God, right? The priest being ordained, they ate their portion. Verse 34, look, um, you say, well, uh, yeah, I don't like leftovers too much. And why? Well, because the Lord don't like leftovers. And we got to be like God, so we don't need to eat leftovers too much. Right, Jenny? Yeah, we don't eat a lot of leftovers in our house. But look at verse 34. No leftovers were allowed. If the sacred meat that's been offered, right, been been put on the altar, it's been barbecued is what's going on. And, and it, sometimes we, this burnt offering, it's aroma pleasing to the Lord. I don't know, if you're here at the Wildlife Supper and you're out here, there's like three or four grills going on. And what's, what's happening? Meat's being cooked, right? And it just smells good, right? Well, this is to be a, an offering to the Lord, a f aroma fragrant to the Lord, pleasing to the Lord. But leftovers... You couldn't warm them up later. Now, all this food, all this that was left over, it had to be put on the altar and burned up, right? And lastly, the fourth thing we see is offerings for seven days and then every day, verse 35 through 37. These offerings that we've just talked about, these three offerings, they're offered seven consecutive days. They're offered for a week. Again, this is an ordination service, if you will. It's a process. It's an elaborate ceremony. It... It took place for seven days. And then verse 38 through 42, there's two lambs that will be offered every day, one in the morning, one in the evening. It mentions flour and oil with a drink offering as well. They're to be offered daily to the Lord. And it's interesting, Paul, he brings up this um, drink offering in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, it, it, kind of to express his devotion to the Lord and his, his probably soon, soon to be martyrdom. Even if I am 
uh, to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. In other words, Paul is about to, he knows he's about to, his life's going to be taken from him. But he talks about being a, a, a drink offering devoted to the Lord. So every day was given to God, beginning and ending uh, with sacrifices of atonement, of consecration. And again, what is this doing? This consecration of the priest, the tabernacle, along with the daily sacrifices, what's it doing? Reminding people that God's presence, uh, reminding them that God is with them, reminding them of God's presence with them. He wants to meet with his people. Douglas Stewart, in his commentary, he writes, the, the Israelites had clearly seen the presence of God among them in the form of a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire that accompanied them and led them from Egypt to Sinai. That manifestation of his presence among them would not continue forever. Remember that? Leading them out of, out of Egypt. He's not going to do that forever. Right? They had experienced God's presence through the pillar of cloud, the fire by night. But when the tabernacle was complete, the tabernacle... would allow them to know that God's presence is manifest there. And, and except for times when there's apostasy, that we, when we saw that later on with the, during the time of the prophets, or um, maybe times of captivity when they were in exile, these daily sacrifices continued up till the New Testament day. In fact, do you remember Zechariah, John the Baptist's father? What is he doing? He's chosen to minister in the tabernacle, and so he's, he's making the morning sacrifice. When the, when the angel of the Lord told him that he was, his wife was going to have a child. So we see that even through the New Testament time, that daily, it became like a daily devotional took place for the nation of Israel. The priest would go in every morning and every evening, make these sacrifices. But God wanted these consecrated priests uh, and this... Uh, nation to worship him, not because he simply wanted a well-trained workforce, but he wanted these consecrated priests and these sacrifices to take place so he could meet with his people. So, what does that have to do with, firstly, what does that have to do with Jesus, right? What is scripture? Scripture points us to Christ. What does this have to do with Jesus? Well, you could preach that the rest of the sermon, right? We see these priests being set apart, consecrated for the Lord's service. But much had to be done to get them ready to be able to do that. I mean, this whole chapter is this, this process that takes place. And it happens for seven days. Had to get them ready. They had to be presentable to the Lord. But all of this, of course we know, points us to Jesus. But... There's a difference because Jesus needs no washing because he is pure and holy, right? He needs no garments because he's clothed in righteousness. Jesus is anointed. He is the Messiah, for goodness sakes. And he fulfilled these rites and these rituals through his life and through his death. What about these sacrifices? Turn your Bibles uh, real quickly to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, real quickly. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 through 14. We looked there last week. It was just timely. Um, 
Pastor Scott, he taught from Hebrews chapter 4 about Jesus. And we look uh, there in chapter 10. What about these sacrifices? So all these things that, that the, the high priest had to do, all these rituals, all these acts for seven days, but yet Christ, none of those things need to take place. What about the sacrifices? Well, look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 through 14. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, right? One in the morning, one in the evening, which can never take away sins. Verse 12, but when Christ had offered for all, all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So day in and day out they're making these sacrifices, but what does Christ do? He makes a sacrifice once for all. You remember when Jesus hung on the cross? His last words, it is finished. Yeah, once for all sacrifice. And Jesus not only offered a once for all perfect sacrifice, it was himself, right? Not seven days, not every day, one time, and it's done, right? And it, and it tells us here that these sacrifices in this ritual of consecration, it couldn't bring about forgiveness, Hebrews chapter 10 up to verse, up to, look at verse 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So what did Christ do? 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ died for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. As we saw last week, Jesus is a better prophet than Moses. He's a better king than David, but he's a better priest than Aaron. Flip over one more page to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 9 through, uh, 9 through 13. Sadly, the, the author is telling the believers, the recipients of this letter, they shouldn't turn back. Don't turn their backs on Christ. Don't return to Judaism. Look what it says in verse 9. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought out into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. How do we go to Jesus outside the camp? Where, where, did, where did Christ die? He died on the place of the skull, Golgotha. And where was it? It was outside the gates. So this ordination service here in Exodus 29, it points us to Christ. And because of Christ's work, it also has an impact for our lives. Not only does this text point us to Jesus, but because of Jesus' work, we too become priests. We see this all through the New Testament, First Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. 
as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So because of what Christ has done, we who place our faith and trust in him, in the work that he did on the cross, we become part of this kingdom, a kingdom of priests. Same chapter, verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So there, you have the nation of Israel in the Old Covenant. You have these priests. You have these high priests. They were set apart. They're consecrated for the Lord's service. So he can go into the Holy of Holies and mediate, make intercession for the people. But in the New Covenant, after Christ's work is complete, we all are priests. We're all a priest. Just as imperfect men, Aaron and his sons, right, they, they serve the Lord. We too, imperfect people, can serve the Lord because of what Christ has done for us. Like these priests, every Christian is washed by the work of God's Word, by the regenerating work of the Spirit. This cleansing work was accomplished by the death of Christ and appropriated by faith. Go back to the picture of, of the three sacrifices and they come in and the priest is laying their hands on the head of this animal. Again, wonderful picture of the cost of sin, the need for death, right? Beautiful picture of the, the wages of sin is death, right? Put your hand on this animal. And I don't know, some of these animals are just animals, right? But I don't know, we, we, we had sheep, Jerry has sheep. I mean, some of them jokers, these, you know, they're beautiful animals, Right? Unblemished animals and having to butcher that animal and that animal dying because of you. Incredible picture. But think about this. When we trust Christ, when we, we recognize our sin, when we acknowledge we're sinful, that we deserve God's wrath, that we're separated from God, when we place our faith in Christ, understanding that Jesus died on the cross for us, and he rose from the dead for us. When we repent of our sin and we place our faith and trust in Christ, really what's happening is you're placing your hands by faith on the head of Christ. And just as those Old Testament priests, they would put their hands there and that, 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 that animal, that bull or those rams, they would be sacrificed, taking the punishment for the priest. That's what Christ did. And by faith, that's what's taking place when we repent and trust Christ. So the question is, for us, by way of application, is have we trusted Christ? Are you part of the kingdom of priests? And what happens is we're, as we trust Christ and we repent of our sin and he gives us his Holy Spirit that seals us and anoints us. And he changes our hearts and we go from living like this, right, in rebellion against the Lord to being yielded to the Lord, wanting to obey him. I mean, gracious, why are we here? Why are we here today? It's because you want to be here. Why? Because Bo Gross, years ago, the Lord changed his life, 
gave him the Holy Spirit. He had a desire to be with God's people and to study God's word and to sing God's songs. See, see this, these parallels here. We, be, we become kingdom of priests. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. There's a meal eating here in Exodus 29. The priests were to eat this meal. They share a covenant meal with the, with the Lord, and yet we do that first Sunday every month, don't we, believers? And you can do it as often as you want, but here at our church, we take it once a month. We take the Lord's Supper. And every time we do that, we renew our covenant with the Lord and He with us. In Christ, God has eliminated the, the need for mediation by a human priest. We're in the, living the new covenant. We need priests no longer, but we're all priests. We all have direct access to God. We, we speak to people about God, and we speak to God about people. This is priestly, these are priestly functions. Have you repented today, and are you a part of this kingdom of priests? If not, I'll encourage you to turn from your sin and, and trust Christ's work as your own. If you're a believer, we can boldly approach the throne. I mean, think about this. Think about what took place. And Chris alluded, Chris uh, McWilliams alluded the, to this in his confession time. But the priest, they had to do all this stuff, right, for seven days and and to enter the, the holy place. But we as believers, because of what Christ has done for us, we can boldly approach the throne of grace, right? Where we can find mercy for our souls. All because of what Christ has done. It's, it's not because of what we've done, because of what Christ has done. Just like that priest, they couldn't enter into the holy place, just walk into the... If they've had a good week, oh, I've had a good week, I've obeyed the Lord pretty much every day. I'm, I'm pretty much obeying God in every way. They didn't just walk up through there. No, they had to offer those sacrifices, right? The priest could enter the holy place and the holy of holies because of the because of the sacrificial ram and the sacrificial bull. And we too, we approach God boldly, not because we're good or great or got it all together or we're giving benevolent people. No, we do it because of what Christ has done for us. Only because of what Christ has done for us. So there's no room for boasting and no room for pride. Because of what Christ has done for us, we should humbly but boldly approach the throne of grace. Thank you for tuning in to our Sunday morning services at Beaver Baptist Church. We are currently studying the book of Exodus. If you have any questions about today's message, or would like more information about our church, call us at 901-837-2904. You can also visit our website at beaverbaptist.com.